You're listening to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Each week, we will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. Be prepared for tears and laughter as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable, so get your boots on. It's going to be messy. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Confessions of a Grieving Mother. I am Julie, Gus's mom. And I am Tracy, Emma's mom. And with us on the line today, this is our Father's Day episode. Hey, can you mute your computer, please, ma'am? Wow. (laughs) Julie is, thank you, boss. (laughs) See, we're a good time already, or I'm just screwing things up already. With us on the phone, who are you? Introduce yourself. (laughs) I am Paris Baker um, by title i am pastor of believers international worship center i am an associate um, professor at gannon university 26 years teaching there i am a father and husband um, and the founder of abba fathers program which is a uh, re-entry program for men and fathers who are re-entering the community from their criminal justice system usually incarcerated in a state correctional institution I did not know that part. That's interesting. Hello. I love that. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so should Actually, we... there's a lot of things I've, I've done in the fatherhood uh, discipline, so I'll talk about that somewhere in this discussion, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and uh, the reason you're on this podcast is because you're a bereaved father. Yes. So that's Absolutely. why we are talking to you today. Um, did you have something else to add? Yes, I, I I I understand the word bereavement, and and I've grieved, and I'll talk about that. But because of my faith tradition, my son, whose name is Brooks or BJ, I don't see him as being dead, just in a different place till I get there. Mm, amen. Yeah. yeah. Love that. So. Mm-hmm. So will you? Okay, so we're here to yeah, for to tell Brooks's story. Huh? Okay. Um, Will you kind of bring us back to that moment you you guys found out you were expecting and, and what that looked like? <laughs> sure. <laughs> this will be I'll good. Give you the, this will be the PG rating <laughs> discussion. It's I was not always a pastor, so let me disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> so um, in 1992, um, I was I was married and divorced. I divorced in '88. Um, I became somewhat of a heathen. I was mad at God and didn't want a divorce and all that stuff. So I kind of strayed way away. Anyway, I was involved <clears throat> in a relationship. The idea was just having a good time and all that, and and uh, we were we were involved sexually with no intention. It was never the intention um, to have a child and. Um, and then one of those moments, and I'll talk a little bit about this, one of those moments where um, the telephone rings and can you come over and I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, the honesty to that is I was in disbelief, shock, and rejected the idea. So I've developed a concept called um, um, cognitive conception. And what that means is for women, there's a physical pregnancy. 
And so you kind of know at some point there's something going on in my body. Men don't experience that. Mm-hmm. And so men have to become pregnant in their mind. They have to, mm-hmm. to adjust from being a single father or a father, this new role identity. I'm going to, I mean, as husband or a boyfriend or whatever, this new role identity called father has to be something that's developed in one's mind. Yeah. And so if I can, del- if I can delay it, like I started saying things like you're not pregnant or how do you know it's mine and all those crazy things. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I just was, I just was rejecting the idea that um, I, I'm going to be a father to a child that I didn't plan and with you. Cause mm-hmm. I honestly, I wasn't sure if I even liked her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, but anyway, um, five months into the pregnancy, and I, you know, I applaud her because um, for the first three months, again, I was very resistant to the idea. So I wasn't engaged and I wasn't supportive, all those kind of things. But about the fourth month, um, and I didn't go to the, to the prenatal checkups, any of that, until the fourth month when, um, you know, I, another telephone call and the, and the doctor said the placenta broke. And um, the amniotic fluid was leaking. Mm. And so they had to put her in the hospital. And she basically had to live upside down so that where the breach was, they had to turn her in a position so that the amniotic fluid would not leak. Um, And so she spent a lot of time upside down, all kind of weird positions. And and that was just kind of a last gasp thing to, you know, how can we save the baby? It's just too early to incubate and all those kind of things. And so I developed an enormous amount of respect for her courage and her commitment to saving this child's life. And that's when the light came on, when I started saying, this is my son Mm -hmm. and I want him to live. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I was praying and praying and praying and fasting and doing all the stuff that, um, you know, one knows from whatever discipline or doctrine you come from. I was doing everything I thought to do. And on April 29th, um, Brooks was born at five o'clock and he died a couple minutes after eight. He lived for three hours and um, he would have had he lived. He would have had an enormous amount of uh, physical and intellectual Mm. um, disabilities. Um, It just the cards were stacked against him. Yeah. Um, But the the idea, which is important to me, is it went from getting the news and not being excited about um, his his birth, I mean, his, you know, conception to birth, mm-hmm. uh, where I was rejecting that, to fighting with everything I could do to want him to live. Wow. Um, and so that that five months was, was pretty um, eye-opening for me. Um, I was, again, once again, I was angry at God because in 88 I didn't want a divorce. Now I'm praying again and my son dies, God, where are you? All those kind of questions. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm just trying to figure out how you work and what this means and all that stuff. Now, fast forward from that point, 1993, April 29th, he dies. I am involved in the Foundations of Fatherhood um, development. I'm a guest speaker I, uh, going real fast. And in, um, in, in 93, I also went to Case Western uh, to work on um, – issues with male uh, masculinity, excuse me, and community violence with teens, which led me to go to University of Pittsburgh. And I studied fatherhood. Um, A couple of colleagues and I, we developed a program that was used by the Erie School District called Foundations of Father. We had a program called uh, Dr. Dr. Dads and um, a few other components of the program, uh, uh, child support enforcement programming and so on and so forth. But 
that's just a foundation for the discussion. I was in Pittsburgh, and and uh, three years later, four years later, I can't even remember the time, but I was doing a presentation to a group of men and fathers, program um, caseworkers, and I was talking about uh, what it means to be a father and this whole idea, again, introducing this concept of conceptual pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I started crying. It was the first time mm -hmm. that I had grieved outwardly when I said, you know, here's my, here's my, uh, here's the names of my children. And I said his names and I said, at that point I said, and he's deceased. Mm -hmm. And then quick, and then I quickly corrected and I said, no, he's not with me. Mm -hmm. But that's when I started the grieving process. But it was for me is he's just not with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, like I don't believe in the, the concept of absentee father is fathers. Another concept, uh, just because a father doesn't live with their children doesn't mean he's absent because children, when they articulate how they miss their fathers, that feeling is real and is very present. So there's no absentee in their psyche, in their, in their spiritual hunger for that for that man who's a father and so i don't use the term absent because some somehow absent means i don't have to think about it, i don't have to do anything so right. i say things like you know the father just doesn't live their fathers who don't live with their children yeah oh, yeah I like that so it keeps them connected yeah so were you able to i'm just taking in all the knowledge i know i'm just sorry i'm just sitting <laughs> here just... taking it all in <laughs> He's schooled us. He's preaching. Um, were you able, were you at the, the Brooks's birth then? Were you able to be in the room? Did you know? Yes, I was absolutely there. It was, again, one of those things. Um, uh, this is where it gets a little teary. I told you, my, <laughs> woo, my, my, my. <laughs> here we where, go. Um, Buckle up. Yeah, here we go. Where he was born and then he had to be rushed into an incubator and then. Mm. They, they were trying to, with these really little needles, and again, the technology that we have to keep the human body alive was was just amazing. Even then, this is in 93, and they were trying to inflate his lungs because mm -hmm. he just was, was not developed enough to sustain life at any, at any level. Mm -hmm. And so they were working and trying and trying and trying, and ultimately they said, this is nothing more we can do. They gave me my son and said, you need to say goodbye because... There's nothing more we can do. And that's what happened. Mm, yeah. So I was holding, I have some pictures uh, where you see I'm just holding him and I'm praying to God, like, you know, this miracle, if there's a miracle, let it happen now. I mean, faith right up to the end, like yeah. just do, do something, God. And, um, and then he died and we had a funeral, which was really cool. Um, so we, we did the whole processing, had the service, um, invited the family, uh, went to the cemetery and buried him and uh, uh yeah i remember that day because we were having discussions about should we have a a um, a tent and everyone was saying ah we don't need a tent we're not gonna be there that long and blah 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 and it was an absolute downpour oh, <laughs> it of course was, it was it was crazy <laughs> yeah i mean like the heavens poured out multitudes of water thought it was Noah's Ark or something. Uh, <laughs> I just want to back I just want to backtrack for one second though. I mean, this was back in 1993, mm -hmm. right? You right. I mean, the fact that we live in a world now where this is this topic, this um conversation of stillbirth and miscarriage and um infant death is kind of just becoming more I don't want to say normal, but it it yeah. So back in 1993 to have a service yeah, for your son for your is baby. really huge yeah. and and to even talk yeah. about a funeral home and kind of joke about a tent it's like some some families still struggle with that you know currently so the fact that that i'm just like 
kind of blown away. I think that's fantastic that you guys um, did mm-hmm. that yeah. and honored him that yes. way. And yeah. So. Yeah, I, that was a, it was a, a point of discussion. Um, unfortunately, I had a lot of good friends around me um, who didn't necessarily say do it, mm-hmm. but were very suggestive. Like it's a way to put closure. Yeah. Um, in one way. And uh, it also, and again, the, where the idea of um, he's transitioning, right. if you know the story of, you know, again, kind of a, a, a funky beginning, but a kind of an interesting ending was the story of David and Bathsheba. Yeah. And I use that as a way to kind of guide me through, not the Bathsheba piece, although that's kind of how it started too. <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. when David got the news that his son, uh, died. Mm-hmm. He was fasting and praying, doing all that stuff. He washed up. Uh, he went and had a meal, and he said, "I can't. He can't be with me, but I will go to him." Mm-hmm. And that's where that idea came from. Mm-hmm. Is he's in heaven, and and one day I'll be with him. Yeah. And so I use that as a as kind of a directional um, story to guide me through a couple of things. And how how old were you? Ninety-three, twelve. I don't know. Yeah. Born in fifty-seven, thirty-six. Okay. Yeah. Had you known anybody um, in your family or friends that have that had gone through a loss, a a child loss? Yeah, my um, my maternal aunt uh, lost um, her daughter Kimberly, and I remember that being very painful. I mean it. Now we're going, I don't even, I can't even remember when that mm-hmm. happened. It would have been, it would have been in the sixties, sixties or seventies. Cause I was still a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so traumatizing. Yeah. And that's a, that as a, that was a time where you shelter kids from mm-hmm. right. observing people go through trauma. So I just knew that a lot of people were crying and, and I didn't understand any of it. Um, so that wasn't really helpful other than the pain that I tried to understand as a, as a child. Right. I mean, we learn, it's, it's super interesting people. We learn grief as we grow up or, or the lack thereof. Yeah. Like you said, the shielding of it from kids and, but they know something's going on, but it's confusing. And so then you grow up and experience your own kind of grief. And so you kind of pull from what you learned or what you didn't learn. And I'm always interested by that. I want to fast forward to put it to, because that's the story didn't end there. Okay. Of course not. So nine, of course not. So ninety, so ninety three. You know, I'm looking out the window uh, at the hospital, and I said, "God, what did I do wrong?" Hmm. And I remember, like, I said, "I understand in my world the sin that I was committed wasn't married, and all that, all the stuff that goes with that." But I said, "It's like, why does my son have to pay for my sin if that's the issue?" I, I was just trying to figure it out. Right. You know, like, is it this or is it that? But a lot of questions. So. Now, fast forward, I am pastor or becoming the pastor of uh, Believers International. And I get this thing in me, poof, like I literally <laughs> am in a Bible effect. study. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Batman, I grew up with Batman. <laughs> yeah, so poof. And I say to the church, hey, guess what? I'm telling you, um, God said, I'm going to have a, a daughter. And I like in the moment, I'm just prophesying to myself, but I'm but I'm saying it in front of a lot of people who just happen to be witness. Like God said, I'm going to have a, a daughter. And um, and it never occurred to me at that moment, like, wow, I have a daughter. And I'll again, I'll let me go through what happened and I'll explain it. 
I'm going to have a daughter. So I literally, I'm in Bible study. I go from Bible study to Walmart or Kmart or wherever they sell car seats. I so much believe that what I heard that I went and bought a car seat and put it in my car. Wow. As an act of faith. Yeah. So I'm driving around with a car seat. <laughs> I love right? That. And people say, like, what is that? And I said, it's, 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 it's for my daughter. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an act of faith. And they said, well, where's your daughter? And she was as, as alive to me in that moment. I wouldn't, like, if people, like, they were five adults, I'm not moving the car seat. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got, someone's going to sit on someone's lap. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. But then I realized, I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If this If this is from God, I'm not married. That means I get two for one. It's got to be Mrs. Baker because I'm not going. I'm not going to do what I did before. Right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Where so, are you, wifey? Yeah. So watch this. So I would I would date different women. They would say, "Oh, is there something you want to tell me?" Yeah. I said, "What are you talking about?" They say, "What is that?" I said, "Your future." <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to have any kids. I said, well, then you're not the one. Yeah. You know? Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. It was, it was a great screening device. Oh, um, man, that's funny. Yeah. And, and then what happened was, as I started, this act of faith became more real for me. It wasn't kind of a gimmicky thing. Like, no, I really believe this in the core of my being. And then I heard God speak to me. Not only do you have a girl, that you will have a girl, her name will be Samantha. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, why Samantha? Let's go back to the Samuel story, First Samuel. Remember Hannah? Yes, yeah. And and Hannah's heart uh, was pouring out to God, and God said, I hear you. Said Samuel means God hears, so mm -hmm. the female version of that. So he said, I was listening to you in 93, and it was mm -hmm. all, everything was wrong, but I didn't ignore you just the timing mm -hmm. and so now it's time for samantha uh, her middle name is elizabeth which mm -hmm. means the lord is my oath mm -hmm. and um and uh it was a great uh witnessing tool not only in church i was doing volunteer volunteer work at sei albion and i told every step along the way i told um the men uh to encourage their faith to build up their faith this is what faith looks like and so when it was time for a sonogram um I said, I don't want to know. I believe. And so we didn't get the gender at all. But I said, it's a girl. Why do I need you? To yeah, I already know what, so what they're going to tell me. Yeah, it's a girl. And so, boom, uh, Saturday. <laughs> Oof, on boom. June, yeah, I know. <laughs> sound effect. June 5th, um, I was on my way to go to the to SCI Albion. And at 9 o'clock, was, we were rushing, in, rushing to the hospital. And at uh, 3.50, Samantha was on the planet. Yeah. And, and I went back the next week and the guys were cheering like, oh, my God, this is great. I said, Samantha's here, y'all. And that just helped. I didn't realize how many men their faith was strengthened by just help just by sharing my story with them. Um, as this is how faith works. If God tells you something, you stand on that and you just walk it out no matter who's standing with you. Right. So I, I can't tell you how many men um, benefited from that story. Oh, I love that. We're going to take a quick break because I have a lot more questions about okay. your story. So uh, we'll be right back after this short break. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. If you would like more information on Emma's Footprints, please visit our website at emmasfootprints.com. To all of the families on their grief journey, we see you, we support you, and we remember your babies. You are not alone.
Okay, we're back. And I have something I want to dig in to a little bit, if that's okay. Pasta. That's okay. That's um, okay. We have, you know, a lot of families come to us and, and they're not married, um, kind of like you were, weren't, and, you know, get pregnant and experience a loss. Um, I mean, it, it was hard for Brian and I to be married and have a loss. Right. You know, I mean, the statistics for whether you're married, you're not, mm-hmm. um, the, the statistics aren't good for for. Uh, continued healthy relationship at least um so i know we have a lot of listeners that can relate to this story so you know you mentioned you weren't that excited when when you found out you know she was pregnant and then you were fighting for his life um what did that look like afterwards trying to you know you to deal with with your own grief and coming to terms with what happened um and and her i mean it, it sounds like you saw her in a different light kind of in the middle of the pregnancy you said, you know, mm-hmm. the respect for her. What did that, what did that relationship look like after? Because you're grieving separately, but you're you're not together. Right. Um, so can you just kind of speak to that? Well, yeah. Let me go back to before, before there was a pregnancy. Um, again, a lot of my work deals with like, you know, preconception and then expectant fatherhood, which is a really an important um, research interest of mine. What does it mean when a father is involved with the mother of their child? So research tells us, and I'm one of those statistics that, you know, 71, 72% of all pregnancies are unplanned, whether they're marital or non-marital. That doesn't mean they're not wanted. Mm -hmm. They're unplanned. It's Mm -hmm. like an oops. Oh, by the way, you know, I missed my period or something. That's a pretty high, that's a pretty high percentage. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. But because we're married and we were planning we were planning to have a child, just not right now, Right. Mm-hmm. but it was in our future. That's right. the kind of the idea. But for unmarried couples, that becomes a enormous stressor. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and so for men who, who are engaged in sex, the idea is just really selfish. It's just all about me. And so when the woman says I'm pregnant, it's no longer all about me. And that becomes, you know, even more of a stressor. And that's why the issue of, you know, like just financially um, uh, participatory fathers, like all I want to do is pay money because I don't want to be involved with you any more than I have to. And so that was the kind of the entry point. And again, I'm not proud of that, but I'd like to be honest about that was the entry point. Um, we had margaritas and we had sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as I was concerned, and the next day it was over. Um, and then the struggle was... I, you know, there's a morality, which is kind of an oxymoron that I talk about premarital sex and morality in the same <laughs> sentence, <laughs> but, but there was some, there was some home training that could, that kicked in. Like, you know, there's a way to treat people and there's a way to treat women that I could not walk away from. And so even though I was rejecting the idea of pregnancy, um, there were certain things I just was taught to do. And so. I did that. I kind of did it begrudgingly, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there are certain things I'm going to do. Um, then after um, uh, Brooks's death, um, there was a, a kind of support that got confused um, because Brooks's mom thought my support meant, oh, there's hope. Maybe we can get back together mm-hmm. as a, in a relationship where I was just offering support to this is traumatizing for both of us. So let's, let's try to get through this trauma 
together. Right. Um, but the, the more time we spend together and, and more intimate conversations, like I'm asking you these questions because I care about your your well-being, your mental health. Right. But I'm not I don't want to reengage in a relationship. So it just caused it was just <laughs> I'm sorry. That, I talk with sound effects. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it just it just was fraught with all kind of uh, issues. And so at a certain point, now let's you know a year from his death, we would celebrate his death together. Like we would go to the cemetery and we do that. But then that became a little unclum or excuse me uncomfortable or clumsy because at some a certain point, she started dating. I started dating. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were trying to celebrate his life and honor um, his birth and all that. But then partners got in the way and, 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 and ultimately we um, stopped talking to each other for a while. We're now today we're still, we're friends and we, and we still, you know, April 29th, we send texts to each other and we just, you know, kind of talk about, you know, what does his life mean to you at this point in our lives and so on and so forth. Um, when I, if you look at my, I, like I wrote a book and, uh, you know, they want a, they want a little caption, you know, like say something about yourself. You will see that I say I have five children and Brooks's name is mentioned there. Hmm. And so people, people like, well, where is he? I said, he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's that, that thinking he's, he's not gone. He's just in heaven. No different than my son who, who lives in South Carolina. Right. He's not with me. He lives in South Carolina. Right. Brooks happens to be in heaven. Uh-huh. Okay, but I, I have five children. I have three biological children, Jonathan, Samantha, and Brooks. And then I have a two, I don't like the term stepchildren, but for clarity, just two stepchildren. Mm-hmm. They're mine. They, they go in my pocket. They go in my pocket just as deep as my biological I don't know the difference. My bank account does not know the difference. <laughs> so they're, they're mine. And then I have other sons, and and I don't. I, people say when you say sons, I try to stay away from. I do have daughters mm-hmm. uh, that are in church, but I try to. It's always church related. A lot of my sons come from all over the world, usually in prison. It, again, just for um, um, gender relationship issues, I try to stay away from having females call me their dad. Right. And not, yeah. It gets real confusing. Right. Sure. For folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the stressors are, are enormous. They're very confusing. Um, and many times, um, what might be considered anger, an interesting phrase here is anguish and people misinterpret anguish from as anger. And it's mm-hmm. really just suffering over a long period of time and trying to breathe without hurting and being in pain and all that kind of stuff. <sighs> Wow, you know, and it, sometimes it comes off. Sometimes people don't know how to deal with that, so they are angry. But it's not. I'm not angry at the person. I'm angry at this concept that I, I can't see it. I can't put my hands on it. Can't touch it, and I don't know what to do with it. Right. And over time, that gets to be a little weighty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm a big advocate. At that point, you need mental health yes. um, support. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Yeah. I mean, I I'm sure Again, that I, was so hard to navigate, but just you telling the story it, you were well, you were trying to navigate it some people yeah. don't know how or right. they do it the wrong way or they don't even try right well again i i i am by training i have three social work degrees and and I, I do outpatient uh counseling and all that kind of stuff and i and i still struggle with it mm-hmm. um again fortunately i had an informal support system 
of a lot of good people. But I, I, I mean, I have to tell you, you know, you're, you're out in one breath, you're advocating, you know, Jesus is the way. And then someone says, how's Jesus the way? And, and you're having children out of wedlock, you yeah, know? Yeah. Oh, so, so then you don't want to tell the story because that becomes confusing and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, Oh, how do you do this Lord? And, um, anyway. Yeah. It's messy. Yeah. It is messy. It it's is not terribly pretty. messy. So what did so after Books's death, what did Father's Day look like for you? Because you had oh you know live. Did you just had Jonathan? Um. Uh, it, in ninety three, I had Marquita and Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. So you were father of and, two uh, living, and then you had Brooks. Right. But again, we got to go back to. There's always a story. <laughs> always. <laughs> we always got to go back. <laughs> Okay, um, we have to, you know, Jonathan was one of those. I knew Jonathan's birth. You know, I was telling the whole world seven months before he was born. Um, the exact day, day and time, again, there's just, just heavenly presence, God presence that I just tapped into. So that's a story in, in and of itself, maybe for another broadcast. <laughs> I want um, Jonathan sitting with me when I yeah, you tell me that yeah, story. Yeah, it, He's got, yeah, he's got a bunch of things. He's a cool father. I'm so proud of him. Uh, and, and fatherhood comes from sonship. And that's where I want to go to, to, to talk about fatherhood, except for God the Father. Everyone else knows fatherhood by first being a son and how you're a father. And then you grow into and have children. You become a father. But usually you parent the way you were parented. And that's yeah. why it's important when we talk about fatherhood that we talk about sonship first. And so, like most people who are engaged in this this research, um, focused on fatherhood, I had a horrible relationship. Loved my father, believed my father loved me, but he grew up with, with from the south and and just was not emotional, wasn't expressive. You know, I pay the bills and you do what I say, and that's the end of it. And, I, and I've done my duty as a father, but that's not the kind of father I wanted. And and um, and so as much as I loved him, I also had this hate. So like a lot of tension in our relationship. And so um, now going back to 88, I'm having this, this conversation with, and I'll get teary here, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was all snot up, so be ready. <laughs> so in 88, I'm praying to God, I don't want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. And, uh, and I made this covenant with you, God. I'm struggling. And, um, and then I... I then I just became angry and I started cussing at God. And I mean like vicious because in my subconscious, I said, if I can provoke God enough, he will be the God of the old Testament that will smite me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and then I don't have to feel this pain anymore. So if, if, I, if, you know, one attack on him didn't work, then I multiplied it the magnitude of 10 by 50 by a hundred. I'm going to find a button to push where you're the lightning boat's going to come through the attic and you're going to, and it's all be over. Because I just didn't, I don't want to feel any of that. Right. And I said, you know, you're a horrible father and so is my dad. And I mean, I, mm. you know, like, both of you suck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it was, yeah, the, that was a different language, too. I don't want to mm-hmm. mess up your, your podcast, but you know, it was And horrible. then lightning struck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Um, and so, the, again, the short version of this story was I was exhausted. I was in an attic. It was like 90 degrees. I'm sweating. And when I when I lost all my psychological defenses and I was physically exhausted, I fell to the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's when I heard God's voice said, I'm, I'm, I, there's nothing you can do to get me to leave. I said, I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. 
and I'm here right now. And I lost it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're real. I can hear you. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's in that moment that I said, I'm going to study spiritual fatherhood. I want to know more about, uh, again, if you, if you think about all the names of God, what occurred to me somewhere in that moment, like not necessarily that exact moment, but the next couple of years, um, was um, all the names of God that he, we call him. When, when, when Jesus said, when you pray to God, call him father, mm-hmm. just blew me away. Like, why is that so important? And if you don't, if you never heard this, then let me be the first to introduce. In the entire New Testament, when Jesus um, refers to God, he always refers to God by the term father, mm-hmm. or Abba, which yeah. is where Abba fathers come from, except when he was on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is the only time that he did not call God Abba. Mm. And the reason for that is his sins, our sins rather, not his sins, our sins were being judged. And the term that he used was the God who was the magistrate or the judge. And so he, he, he purposely called his father by a different title so that the judge could judge the sins of the world. And then immediately after those sins were judged, he returns back to calling him father. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people miss that. And, um, and so, you know, what, why is it so important that, that he calls him father? Well, that led me to, you know, if I understand the spiritual fatherhood and why it's important, so important to God, then maybe I can use that knowledge to teach men how to father and now we have Abba Fathers. We have the foundation of fatherhood and then Abba Fathers. Oh, I love that. That's where it came from. Wow. Yeah. So we use a lot of spiritual principles um, in engaging men to talk about first their sonship and then their fatherhood. Yeah, um, it's all intertwined. So, mm-hmm. You can't yeah. talk about one without talking about the other. You really can. And that's why we open up the, 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 the uh, program to men. You don't, have to, you don't have to have your own children because mm-hmm. we recognize first you are a son. So you had to have a father somewhere, right. so you're welcome. But more times than not, you're probably going to date someone who has children. So mm-hmm. you still need to learn how to parent, how to be a father. And we spend a lot of time talking about co-parenting relationships. Mm. Because a lot of men coming out of prison have multiple um, mothers involved. And that's always clumsy, too. Yeah, it is. I, I like that you use yeah. the word clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that's it. Good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's yeah. a cool word. It is yeah. clumsy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So to kind of, so. I mean, I I wish we could talk to you all day. I just you can. We we'll can do it off the podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> can wrap this up and then take it yeah. off mic. Um, okay. Thank you for being open and honest and vulnerable with us yeah. and um, sharing so much. Yeah. And so, what would you? So, th- since this is our Father's Day episode, can you a little nugget? Um, if, you know, a dad's listening and, and relates, I mean, obviously it's going to rate relate, um, what's kind of a next step and attainable, uh, you know, cause it, yeah. grief is overwhelming, right. And, and you can feel all consumed, uh, and not know where to start, but what's kind of a, what's some wisdom for that dad that's listening? Well, a, a, a couple things real quickly for the, the grieving father. One is. The thing I like about relationship with with Jesus, particularly before he would he would heal people or he would feed people or any of that stuff, is I liked how he touched people, whether it was physical touching or emotional touching. 
Um, there's just something about this this idea of touching folks. And so men have to learn uh, first how to be touched and then how to touch others. And so, you know, um, find someone to take a risk with because even if you know people, it's risky um, how to engage in that. But don't be afraid of, you know, those emotions um, because they're human emotions. They're, they're, they doesn't make you weak or you lose your masculinity or any of that stuff. In fact, it's kind of the, the true term of meekness, strength under control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I encourage men, you know, uh, just a real quick thing. We, we do fatherhood stuff. And a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, we had a, a fatherhood thing where men and we, of course, we always have food. And so we got plenty yep. of food. <laughs> And we, and we watch. And by the way, that food thing is it's kind of a, an interesting thing that everyone does. But for men, because we're so instrumental in that we have to have things to do. Food is the is the perfect distraction because we're left with our vulnerability. And that's why men don't come back. It's like, what do I do with all this stuff? And so I don't come back. Well, eating, I'll come back for the food and I can tolerate. I can tolerate the moment, you know. So we're watching. um I can only imagine if you haven't seen the movie, please do. Um, it, it, it's about fatherhood. And at the end of the movie, he, he reconciles or uh, his relationship with his father. And it, it gives you the, the whole history of the song. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all the men are crying. I mean, we haven't even started the discussion. Like everybody's <laughs> going to the bathroom because they ain't got to go to the bathroom trying to hide the tears. Oh, it was, <laughs> Like, what is going on in this room? And that's when men in, in that particular group, that's when it, the real realization is I'm carrying. And this is the second point. I'm carrying all this weight. It was not the video yeah. that caused you to cry. Right. It's it just this weight finally. So the vehicle was an instrument to get you to do what you needed what to you do. What you need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you needed to do. Yeah. So that and that weight will come out one way or another some most of the time is what's called displacement it'll go to the wrong person in the wrong way mm-hmm. uh, yeah and so you really need to guide that and again find some trusting folks who can help you help you do that the last thing i'm going to say uh, is this if you read malachi chapter four it's only four chapters in, in malachi if you read chapter four the beginning of malachi makes a very important statement it says i'm going to return the hearts of children to the fathers and the hearts of fathers to their children. That is a sign of Jesus Christ's return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and then it's connected to John the Baptist, he's Elijah and that whole thing. But I said, isn't it interesting that God requires us to call him father. And one of the, one of the metrics that we can use to denote when he's coming back is how fathers relate to their children, how children relate to their fathers. Again, I don't think that's an abstract you know, dink. I think God is saying this thing called fatherhood is incredibly important to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I want it to be important uh, to you. To you and yeah. so, you know, yeah. So there you have it. I mean, I, I once I crack that open, we got to have another podcast because I, <laughs> I got like 900 things I want to tell you now. Part more two. Sound effects, please. Yes. But, but yeah, and more sound effects. But let me tell you, Names are important to God, and therefore they were important to me. So Brooks' name is a family name, and that's important to kind of leave with it. Brooks is my maternal grandfather's name. is Jack John Brooks uh, was his name. So we took his last name, Brooks. Jerome is my middle name, a family name passed on. 
Um, so Brooks Jerome, which is where we get BJ. Mm. So Brooks Jerome Baker. Jonathan's name, mm-hmm. um, Jonathan William Paris Baker, is my paternal grandfather's name, John, or Johnny. My father's name is Willie, but I didn't like Johnny Willie. Yeah. <laughs> so Jonathan William Paris. So anywhere he goes, he has a legacy of his fathers, his three fathers. Um, and that's, that's important beautiful. because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. But what's important? What's important about that is this: if you take his name literally, biblically, and take it apart, Jonathan means given by God or grace. William means resolute warrior, um, and Paris means breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So if you put that, if you put those three names together, you have uh, a gift of God, who is a resolute warrior for breakthrough. Wow. And what does Jonathan do? He leads people into the presence of God as a worshiper. Yes. He is leaving out his name. And I, I just so like, like, God, you're just you're just awesome like that. And I'm so glad I think that way. You know, like names are important. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And we love so, JB's album. Our, my, yeah. My boys they, and I. <laughs> they, you, they were singing. I'm like, you guys really do know the lyrics. Like, we really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. I'm like, I don't even know that song, but I know it's his. Yes, I, I was, love I, him. I can't I wait to meet so him. I was so honored. And I was trying to call him while we were watching the soccer match. I was trying to call him. He wouldn't answer. Anyway, I have enjoyed this time with you guys. Oh, oh my goodness. Pastor yes. Baker. Now, <laughs> taking us to church. How do, I, how do I tell people to watch or watch, to listen to this podcast? How do we? How do people find you? Um, we will be sharing it on our social media and, um, you can, I'm sure, are you, do you follow us? Are you friends with us? I am now. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Just hit follow as we were saying. You'll be able to share and direct people. Well, you know, I'm, I'm your friend. I just didn't know about the podcast until you you asked me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And And this this is our father's day episode. Yeah. The link will be there attached to the post. And so wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll be able to listen. Yes. Well, the reason I say that is Apostle Nelson, who is a dear friend of mine, he's one of those <clears throat> small circle of friends who guided me, helped me through this this moment. Yeah. That moment we're talking about with BJ. Um, he and I are connected um, spiritually. <clears throat> excuse me. And so uh, we had discussions about doing reengaging that that group of men that watched. Um, I can only imagine. We're going to go back and do that. And so one of the things I want to share with him is have men. Uh, uh, find this podcast and yeah. Listen, yeah. listen to it. Yeah. yeah. That's why we do so this. We'll get that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think I'll be quite helpful for a lot of guys. And it's um, so And I always, important. and I want to say this again, I don't know how much time we have I'm going over. I talk too much. But, <laughs> uh, but part of, uh, Tracy, how I met you, mm-hmm. if you remember, I won't say the name, but there was, a, I got a call from Burton's and there was a young lady and, and I helped. I ended up coming to the group mm-hmm. uh, with her. And I'm, if she if she had stayed engaged with me, I would still be working with her now um, because I know the importance of walking through that journey with someone. And, and sometimes you can't find anyone. Right. In that case, she had no one. Um, so if if somehow this podcast and something I said, like, I would like to talk to that guy who was, you know, making all those sound effects on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can share my information with anyone. Um, I am so open to helping people walk through that that uh, that journey of grief and, and finding a way to put closure to it if that's possible. So yeah, I, I'm and the dads open, need I'm that, that support. Yeah. yeah. 
the father yeah, definitely. definitely. Support. Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, we are so thankful for you and, and for BJ um, and how you're using your testimony and, and his life um, to help, uh, you know, others. Yeah. And we hope that everybody has a good quote unquote father's day. <laughs> We're here yes. to you know reach out to us. Um, please. We will connect you, you know, with pastor Baker or, you know, another dad that's walked the, the road before you. So don't be shy. We're a little scary, but, <laughs> but we'll help you. So thanks for listening. <laughs>